0: Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. So today we're concluding our series, Swipe Right. We've called it Swipe Right because of the way that technology has impacted uh, dating and relationships in 2018. Uh, for, for many people, especially for those of you who are single, I hope only for those of you who are single, I hope for those of you that are married, you're not dealing with this. But for those of you that are single, in, in this day and age, it's, you don't even have to learn relationship skills anymore because all you have to do is pull out your phone and turn on the app and you just scroll and swipe, and that's all there is. It's completely different. And so is it any wonder that we are living in a time where we treat people, and especially where we treat women, like they're a commodity, like they're just stuff? Because you can shop for them on your phone like you can shop for things on Amazon. So this series has been primarily for single people, and, and for those of you who, who have been here through it and are married, and I want to just thank you for your graciousness and for your patience as we have spent the last four weeks talking to people who are single and talking to directly to them. And it's it's been interesting though in that most of the feedback that I've gotten about this series hasn't been from single people; it's been from married people, and the thought that I get most often is this thought and this idea that, man, I wish I had heard this years ago because that's how I wish I would have done it. And that's why as we wrap up today, how I wish I'd done it is a, is a warning for those of you who are single that you can do it right the first time. So we started the series out by asking a simple question. And that simple question was this. Is it, am I the person that the person I am looking for is looking for? In other words, if I put out and wrote down and had an image of the person that I am looking for, that I want to be with, am I the person that that person would be looking for? And so we talked about that instead of looking for our soulmate, you know, the the right person that could come into our lives and make everything right, and that's something that we talked about in the first week, the soulmate myth, uh, that instead of focusing on trying to find the right person, that we would focus on being the right person or becoming the right person. Because becoming the right person increases the odds and it increases the opportunities for you to find the right person. And it's not something that happens overnight. It's something that you have to work on every day. So, today, what I want to do is I want to take us to one central idea, one theme. And then at the end, we're going to talk about some practical ways to put that theme into place. And and I want you to walk away from this realizing that marriages can be awesome, they can be incredible. And you can have an amazing relationship. You can. You don't have to think that it has to be like my parents were if it was a horrible marriage. Or it can be like my parents were if it was a great marriage. Okay? So here we go. Every weekend in this city and in every weekend in pretty much every city in the country and in every city around the world, you may not know this, but every weekend something happens. People are getting dressed up all fancy. The, the the bride is, is putting on a, a white dress and, and, and she looks absolutely beautiful and, and the guy is putting on a tux and and he looks more handsome than he's ever looked and is and 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 he it's he's standing there and, and they come together and they've spent thousands of dollars and they've spent weeks and weeks and months and months of planning and preparation and they stand at an altar for this thing that we call a wedding. And someone sings a song, and some candles are lit, and rings are exchanged, and a flower girl cries, and a bridesmaid passes out, and then someone like me stands up there and says, repeat after me, and they take their vows. And every single weekend, in cities just like ours, all over the world, single people make promises to each other that they can't keep. Now, they want to. In fact, they mean to. When when they're standing there, they really believe that they're going to. I mean, they, they they don't think that, man, this is a lie. I'm not trying to trick this person. But they make promises that they're not prepared to keep. And after they're married, maybe a week or a month or six months or a year later, they start to think to themselves, man, I know I made that promise, but it is so hard. I just can't do it. But they made the promise. And they start to hold each other accountable. You said this, you promised me that, you made the commitment to do this. And when they start holding each other accountable, that's when the wheels fall off the cart. And single people, listen the married people around you didn't discover this until after they were married. They didn't realize it until after they were married. And that's why it's so important if you were single to pay attention to this now because every single weekend people make promises. They get married and make promises that they can't keep. And it's not because they don't want to. They try to. But they can't keep them because they just aren't prepared to keep them. Now, there's a principle that we understand in every other area of our lives but for some reason few people think to apply this principle to our relationships now here is that principle a promise without preparation is pointless a promise without preparation is pointless now some of you have run a marathon or a half marathon or a 5k and and what you know instinctively what you know is is that signing up for the race is easy it's easy to go there and, and and sign your name on the papers and give them your credit card that's the simple part but if you haven't prepared for the race promising to finish it is pointless because what determines whether you not the finish whether or not you finish the race is not your promise it's your preparation And we know this in every other area of our lives. My son can promise me that he is going to get an A in organic chemistry. But if he doesn't study, if he doesn't prepare for it, and the test is tomorrow morning, I don't care how sincere he is or how much he promises, he's not going to be able to get an A. I could tell you today that I'm going to come back here tomorrow, I mean next week, and I am promising you that I am going to preach the entire sermon in Chinese. And I don't speak Chinese. But next week, you're going to get it all in Chinese. I can sign an agreement. I can post a bond. I can have my signature notarized. We can publish it in the newspaper so that everybody knows. And I will tell you with all honesty and sincerity, I want to do it. But there is no way that I can get it done. Because a promise without preparation is pointless and to all of us that makes perfect sense the problem is is that when it comes to pre- to relationships we think that a promise can get us past our lack of preparation and just because you say i do doesn't mean that you can do it and just this because you say i will doesn't mean that you will do it but when you do say i do it makes you accountable And when you are accountable for something that you aren't able to do, you become miserable. Single people listen. When you are accountable for something that you aren't able to do, you become miserable. And there are a lot of miserable married people out there. And they're miserable because they allowed themselves to become accountable for something that they weren't able to do because they weren't prepared to do it. Because if you commit to something that you can't do, your commitment and your promise to do it is worthless. And if you promise to do something that you can't do, and you didn't prepare to do it, then your promise is pointless. And let me tell you what's going to happen to all of those people who haven't prepared And single people, you need to hear this. And married people are going to say, yeah, that's exactly what happens. But this is what's going to happen. You're going to meet somebody and you're going to fall in love. And then you're going to want to get married. And you're going to walk into it thinking that the sincerity of your promise is going to overcome your lack of preparation. And the problem is is that you will allow the person that you fall in love with to convince you that their track record doesn't matter. You will allow the person to convince you that their lifestyle, their habits, the, their, the things that they have done in their past are going to instantly change as soon as they say, Yes, I do. And they won't. Because a promise without preparation is pointless. And the good news for those of you who are single is that you still have time to prepare. Before you get married, you still have time to prepare. And so what I want for all of you is to make for you to make the decision that you are going to prepare to commit so that when you stand at the altar and you make that vow, when you look into that other person's eyes and you, and you say, yes, I will, and yes, I do, that you will be in a position where you will be able to fulfill the promise because you were prepared to commit. And let me tell you what will happen when you make the decision to prepare to commit and you live your life that way, people who are not prepared to commit will not be attracted to you. Once your path is going down a particular direction and you are moving in that direction, you will not be attractive to anybody whose direction is going another way. And so it will be almost impossible for you to marry somebody who isn't also prepared to make that commitment. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at a couple of verses that were spoken thousands of years ago by someone who is often referred to as the wisest man who ever lived. His name was King Solomon. And interestingly enough, thousands of years ago, King Solomon is going to speak into this dynamic that we're talking about today. And he uses this old Hebrew word that today we translate as the word prudent. And that word prudent means someone who understands that all of life is connected. A prudent person understands that today is connected tomorrow. And this is to tomorrow, and this is something we've talked about. You remember in the first week, what we said was that what you are doing today, what you were doing in your present will eventually become your past. And your past always shows up in your future. And so this is what Solomon says. He says, the prudent understand where they are going. The prudent understand where they are going. Now, where the where where he says where they are going is not a place. It is the direction of your life. And the prudent person understands that the path that they are on determines their destination. Now, we understand this in every other area of our life. Our path determines our destination. If I get on the 101 today and I head north, it does not matter how long I'm on that path, I will never reach Florida. Right? Because your path determines your destination. That's why your parents were so careful about who you hung out with when you were growing up. Because they could see the other children and they could see the path that they were on and they knew where that destination was going. It's why your parents knew what you were thinking and they knew what you were going to ask them before, they, before you even asked it. And it is why you, when you had something to ask your mom or dad, that before you even asked the question, you already knew what they were going to say because you're able to see their path so you know where they're headed. Our paths lead to a destination and all of us have a path. We all have habits, we all have patterns, we all have ways, we all have things that we do all the time and those paths lead to a destination. So a prudent person doesn't pay attention to the promise. A prudent person Pays attention to the path. Now, in Proverbs, the thing about Proverbs is is that when they talk about something, they always contrast the two things. And so Solomon says that the prudent understand where they are going. And then he says, but fools deceive themselves. Now, by itself, that last part may not make a lot of sense. And that's why you have to look at it in the context of the two verses. So when you read it in that context, here's what he's saying. He's saying that a prudent person knows that a person's behaviors, a person's choices, a person's habits, all of those things put them on a path. And you can tell by that path where their destination is. But the fool deceives themselves. See, the fool thinks that he can take different behaviors and he can end up with different habits and he can go on a different path and still end up in the same place that the prudent person does. He's fooling himself into thinking that. He's fooling himself into thinking that there is some kind of magic in making a promise that I can be heading in this direction at full speed and make a promise and all of a sudden I will magically end up over here. And that never happens. He goes on to say this. He says, Only simpletons believe everything they're told. Now, single people, I'm not saying that you are a simpleton. But listen, when you fall in love, you become an idiot. You know why? Because when you fall in love, Everything is about the signs, right? You are with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're walking through the mall, and, and, and this song starts to play overhead, and he stops, and she stops, and they squeeze each other's hands, and they look into each other's eyes, and all of a sudden they realize, this is our song. This is it. And all the signs were there. And so they go, they go to the food court. And they walk up, and the guy says, I would like the orange chicken, but I want white rice instead of fried rice. And he steps aside, and the girl walks up, and she says, I want orange chicken, too, with white rice instead of fried rice. Oh, my goodness. We're soulmates. We're perfect for each other. Because of the signs. And you fall in love, and you start talking about marriage. And listen, when you are at that place, you will believe anything. You will. And your parents will say, he doesn't have a job. And you will say, it doesn't matter. He likes steamed rice. Just like me. And listen, we laugh at that. But when you are in love, you make stupid decisions just like that. And the guy is going to say this, and, and I pick on guys because I'm a guy, and I'm sure it happens the other way around, but especially young women, listen to me. Guys are going to say this, look, baby, and we always say baby, I know I got things wrong with me. I know I've got some bad habits that I need to, to fix, but listen, babe, once we get married, I'm going to change. I promise. And I hope that when he looks into your eyes and he says, I promise. That you're going to remember that a promise without preparation is pointless. See, the person who is in love will focus on the promise. And what Solomon is saying is that the prudent person is not going to focus on the promise. He's going to focus on the path. See, what Solomon is trying to tell us is, look, love is great. But when you fall in love, it's easy to become a simpleton. And that's okay. Because one of the greatest things about falling in love is you get to be a simpleton. But that's also why it's so important to work out all of these things before you fall in love. So that when you do follow in love, and then when you do start acting like a simpleton, you will already be on the path that you want to be. Because if you do it after you fall in love, you will believe anything. This is how Solomon contrasts it. He says, only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. When you look at a person's steps you can tell where they are going, right? Their words don't tell you where they're going. Their promises don't tell you where they're going. Their commitments do not tell you where they're going. The only true indicator of where a person is headed is the steps that they are taking and the path that they are on. It's true of the people that you date. It's true of you. Your path, not your promise, is going to determine what your destination is. So when you look at yourself and when you look at the people that you date, you have to remember that what is important is not where they are and what they've promised. What is important is where they've been and the path that they are on. And that's why I want you to do this. And that's why I want you to commit now to becoming someone who can keep their commitments later. Single people. Commit now to becoming someone that can keep their commitments later. That should be your goal. This is what you should be working on so that when you come to the point where you say, I do, you can actually do. So that when you come to the point where you say, I will, you know in your heart that you will. Because it is not the person that means well that is going to be able to keep their promise. And if you don't prepare then you are going to become accountable for something that you aren't able. And you will end up in a marriage that is miserable. So for the last few minutes, what we're going to do is we're going to go through a bunch of these things. Now, the first one is kind of difficult. And, and, and we're going to spend a little bit more time on the first one. But the first one is this, is that you have to address your unresolved childhood issues. You have to address your unresolved childhood issues. Now, listen. That's a huge thing. I I, I know that. And it's not something that we're going to solve here today. Listen to what the professionals say. They say this, if you attempt to build intimacy, that's, that's the kind of intimacy that you have in, in, a, in a relationship, in a marriage, that kind of intimacy where I know everything about you, you know everything about me. That kind of intimacy that is fearless, that has no comparison, no shame, that, the kind of intimacy that you want to have in a relationship with somebody. He's saying if you attempt to build intimacy with a person before you've done the hard work of becoming a whole and healthy person, Every relationship will be an attempt to complete the hole in your heart. Here's what they're saying. If you attempt to be intimate towards another person, not just physical intimacy, but but that passionate, fearless, you accept me, I accept you kind of intimacy. If you attempt that before you have become a whole and healthy person, then every relationship will feel like you have a hole in it. Every relationship will feel that way. And it's not something that is easy to do. It's not something that you're going to want to do. But if you want to get to a place where you can have a good, strong, intimate relationship with somebody, then you need to do something about it. Now, single people, I I want you to look at this because this is a diagram that we usually only show to married people, and they usually only see this diagram in counseling. So here's the first one. So here's you on, on, on the left side. And then here's your parent. And, and that, that squiggly line, that's all the stuff, all the drama, all the crap that's happened between you and your parent, right? He spanked me too hard. She never listened to me. She told me that my grades weren't good enough. He drank too much. She was uninvolved. All of those things that are inside you that you have against your parents, Right? all of the that ha, that has resulted in a relationship with your parent that has drama or has anger or has complete ambivalence. Because listen, if you are an adult and you have ambivalence towards your parents, you have unresolved issues. If you are an adult and your relationship with your parent is full of anger, you have unresolved issues. And you need to pay attention to this because... If you have any unresolved issues with your mom and dad, and you get married, this is what happens. Your spouse absorbs all of it. Your spouse is right there and catches everything. And what happens is, is that you get married, and as you're going through your marriage, your spouse doesn't understand why some things get you so upset. And you don't understand why your spouse knows it gets you upset, but they won't change their behavior. And so you think they have to be patient, and she thinks you have to change how you're behaving. And none of you are ever going to win this battle. And if they're smart, if the couple is smart, they'll go to counseling. And if they're lucky one day, maybe after weeks and months of counseling or years... One of them will realize, oh, I'm so mad at my dad. And the other one will say, that's what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> Listen, if there was a divorce in your home, you're going to be dealing with this. If your dad was there but not really there, you are going to be dealing with this. If your mom was someone who was uninvolved or was over-involved, you are going to be dealing with this. It's natural. It's natural. It happens all the time. It is not your fault, but what you don't want to do is you don't want to drag that into your next relationship. And that's why you have to deal with it. Now, I'm going to help you get started. There is a message, and it's probably the best message that I've ever heard on it. Terry and I were listening to it, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, It's by a a guy named Louis Giglio. And some of you may know who he is. I met him years ago at a conference in Atlanta. And uh, he's just an amazing guy. Um, And it's very powerful and it's going to stir something up inside you. And now listen, married people, you should listen to this too, because it stirred something up inside me. And it's going, but what it's going to do is, it's going to let you see the things in your life that you need to start addressing. Now what we've done is we've put a link on our website so that you can see it, it's a YouTube video. But if you go to wearegracepoint.com slash swipe right, all one word, no spaces. If you go there, you'll be able to see, watch this video. Now listen, watch the video. It's long, it's probably just shy of an hour. But it is going to make such a huge difference in your life. One more time, it is wearegracepoint.com, that's our church website, slash swipe right. No spaces, no punctuation. Okay? All right, that's the first one. Uh, The rest will go quicker. The next one, ladies, don't let your look, don't let your hook be your look. All right? (laughs) Don't let your hook be your look. Listen, Do you know how a fisherman decides what he's going to put as bait on his hook? He decides by thinking about what is it that he wants to catch. So if your look is your hook, guess what you are going to catch? And you will date and date and in frustration you're going to say, "Ah, I hate this, all men are alike. And I hate to break it to you, all men aren't alike. It's just that all the men that you're dating are alike and in all of those bad dates there's one thing in common it's not the place you go it's not the thing you do it's you you're the common denominator so don't let your look be your hook let your passion for God be your hook let let your brains or your job or your career or any of the other great things about you let those be your hook because This is one thing you need to know. Again, 26 years on the other side of marriage. 26 years on the other side of I do. Countless people that I've talked to about this. If you catch him, ladies, if you catch him with the way you dress and with your body, you are going to only keep him with the way you dress and with your body. And while you may look cute today... I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> All right? I'm just saying. All right, men, this is what you need to do. Memorize part two of this series. All right? We are gracepoint.com messages. Men, if you want to have a happy marriage, mar- memorize part two of this series. All right, this next thing is huge, and it's very, very important. If you want to have a good relationship, if you want to have a happy marriage, get out of debt. Get out of debt. Listen, you can get out of debt quicker as a single person than you ever will be able to as a married person. Married people, am I right? Yes. Right? Okay, single people, you hear them. Right? They're all in agreement. Because listen, if you are a single person who has so poorly managed your finances that you have a lot of consumer debt, then you are on a path. And that's a habit, and that you will carry that habit into your marriage. Now, listen, marriage is hard enough. It's hard enough. Without you bringing in additional trouble and debt and having to deal with debt is additional trouble. So get out of debt. Get out of debt before you consider getting married. If you need motivation, then look each other in, in the eyes and squeeze each other's hands and say, we will get married as soon as we are both out of debt. And listen, if you make that commitment, God will honor your efforts. He will bring people on into your life who will help you. He will, he will do things that you never expected. Listen, I have seen this many, many times. And ladies, this is most important for you. Because listen, if he is in debt when you get married, you're both going to be in debt after you're married. All of his debt is now your debt. And if he hasn't done anything to get out of debt before he got married, after he gets married, he's not doing a thing. Which means it's going to be your responsibility to clean up his mess. So don't do that. One of the best things that you can do and one of the best indicators that a person is the person that you are looking for is do not get into debt. Get out of debt today. Okay. Now, along along with that, here's a broader one. Break your bad habits. Now, single people listen. Once again, marriage has its own problems. Don't think that once, you're going to get, once you get married, you'll suddenly have all of the time and the motivation to break your bad habits. You're not. Marriage was not made to break your bad habits. In fact, in marriage, you're going to create new bad habits. Don't do it. All right? Marriage does not solve your problems. So if you are a single person and you're thinking about getting married... Look at what your bad habits are and do something about them because if you get married and have that same bad habit, it's going to be worse. And let me tell you why it's going to be worse. Because if you drink too much now, after you're married, you're going to drink too much and even more. Right? If you gamble too much now, after you're married, you're going to gamble and you're going to gamble even more. If you have an addiction to something now, After you're married, you're going to still have the addiction, but it's going to be addiction to more. If you have a porn problem now, after you get married, you are going to have a porn problem, and it's going to be even worse. And listen, the worst part of it is this, is that when you get married, your problem, your bad habit, is not only going to affect you, it's going to affect somebody else. And so if you want to be able to look someone in the eye, and tell them that you love them, and tell them that they are the most important person in the world to them, and that you would never do anything to hurt them or hurt your relationship, then you have to break your bad habits now. And you already know what they are. I don't have to tell you. You know what your bad habits are. And don't you hope that one day when you find the guy or the girl that you were going to marry that they will have made the decision to break all of their bad habits before you got married, before you even met. Because here's the thing that many married people have experienced. And married people, you can tell me if I'm wrong. But when you marry someone with a bad habit, within six months or a year of getting married, their bad habit will be your fault. If they are drinking too much before you got married, after you get married, they're drinking too much, but now it's your fault that they're drinking too much. If they are, have a gambling addiction before they get married, after you get married, it's still there, but now it's your fault that they have a gambling addiction. They will end up blaming you for their bad habits. So if you want to be a person who is going to be prepared to make a commitment and keep it, Break your bad habits. And listen, this is another one of those things that once you put yourself on that path, listen, you are not going to be, want to be with somebody who has an, an addiction problem. You're not going to want to be with somebody who has a gambling problem. You're not going to want, want to be with somebody who has a porn problem. You deal with these issues on your own, and it's going to repel people who are still dealing with them. Okay? All right. Men, just in case you weren't paying attention earlier, memorize part two of this series. If you didn't write it down, write it down twice. Memorize part two of this series. Okay, here's the next one. Postpone the physical part of your dating relationships for as long as possible. Now, I know this is hard for some people. But physical isn't just sex. It's all of it. And and listen, here's the thing. I've never heard anyone say that, you know... As I look back, I think our relationship would have been better and stronger if we had just gotten physical earlier. No one ever says that. They always say the exact opposite. What I hear all the time is, we got physical too quickly. Right? You have a couple of dates. He spends the night. He leaves early the next morning. She's thinking... I hope he comes back. He's thinking, man, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And all of a sudden, everything is just a total nightmare. Postpone the physical part of your relationship. You'll be glad you did. And here's the next one. Avoid living together. Now listen, I know you're thinking, he's the pastor, that's what he has to say. And yes, I'm the pastor, and that's what I'm going to say. But don't take my word for it. All of the research out there points to the fact that this is true. There's research that has been done on this for years and there is no evidence to show that living together prepares you for marriage. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Couples who live together have a much higher rate of divorce than couples who did not live together. In fact, a person who has lived with two or three people or more has a statistically zero chance of having a successful first marriage. Are you listening to me? Statistically zero chance of having a successful first marriage. And part of it is because men and women think differently about moving in together. Women think moving in together is the next step to get me closer to marriage. Men think about living together as, let me try this sucker out. And if it's fun and I like it, then maybe I'll think about it. And so men and women, we go into it with different ideas about what it's supposed to be. And that's why it never works out. And listen, I am not telling you this because, because I, I, I think that there's something wrong with you. I, I don't want you to think that God won't love you, that, that, that God will, will, will be um, angry at you. But this behavior, doing this, living together is a path. And that path leads to a destination. And that path, that destination is not happily ever after. Now, I realize that some of you sitting here today, or maybe some of you who are listening to us online, you're thinking, I'm not a Christian. So this really doesn't apply to me. And, and I get that. And listen, if you are not a Christian, I do want to give you one dating tip for non-Christians. Don't date a Christian unless you plan on becoming one. Non-Christians, listen to me. Don't date a Christian unless you plan on becoming one. Do you know why? Because if you're dating a Christian, and you may not know this, and there are some Christians who are dating non-Christians right now, and they're not going to be happy that I'm telling you this secret. But if you are dating a Christian, then you need to know that they don't accept you as you are. They don't. They want you to become a Christian. They want you to become a Christian because their parents are nervous that you're dating a non- that 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 their not their Christian child is dating a non Christian, and they're nervous and, and and because they know that they shouldn't be dating a non Christian. And what they want and what they expect is that someday, very soon, you will become a Christian. So if you are not a Christian, then don't date a Christian. Go find yourself a very, very nice, honest, sincere pagan. Because they will at least be honest with you. And they're not going to try to change you. Because listen, the Christian who is dating you has an agenda. They want you to change. They want you to become a Christian. They want to get married in a Christian church. They want to have kids who are Christians. They want their kids to go to church. And you will be miserable. And your spouse will be miserable. And your children will be confused. And you don't want that. And one more thing. If you are dating a Christian and they are sleeping with you, then you are dating a hypocrite, okay? And no one likes a hypocrite. And if you are dating somebody and she's a hypocrite or he's a hypocrite, now you're in love with a hypocrite and it just becomes a mess, all right? So now here's the last thing and this is a big deal. If you want to become the person that the person you are looking for is looking for, a person who can keep their promises, that can say, I do or I will, and actually mean it, then what you need to do is you need to get involved in your local church. And let me tell you why this is so huge. It is not enough for you to just attend a church, you have to get involved in serving. And it's not because we need you to serve. It is because when you are actively involved in serving in an environment like this, where you are surrounded by people and working with people whose lives and whose lifestyles and whose behaviors and whose patterns are in step and in sync with the ones that you are trying to establish. And see, what it is, is it's like having rumble strips in your life. Do you know what rumble strips are? Rumble strips are the little grooves or the little bumps that are on the side of the freeways. They're way out on the side on the left and the right. And every once in a while when you're driving down the desert road on your way to Tahoe or on your way to Vegas, and you had a little bit too much pasta at lunch, and you start to feel your eyes close and your car starts to drift because you're not paying attention, your tires hit the rumble strips and you hear this whizzing sound. And your car vibrates a little. And it doesn't do any damage to you. And it doesn't do any damage to your car. But it is a reminder that you're drifting. And so it keeps you in the lane. When you serve in your local church, when you surround yourself with people who are in sync with the patterns of behavior that you want to try to put into your life, it acts as rumble strips. It keeps you on the right path it reminds you and and gives you these little reminders that, that don't hurt, but you can hear them and they keep you on the right path, especially in those times when you're not paying attention. Now, listen, single people, I'm only talking about this and we've only done this series because I want you to get this right the first time. And I want you to realize that God has so much love for you And that no matter where you are, no matter what you've done wrong in the past, no matter how bad you've messed up, no matter what bad habits you you are trying to deal with, today you get to make decisions that will let you one day stand at the altar and say, I do, and actually be able to do. And you'll be a person who has done the hard work of becoming a whole and healthy person. And you'll be able to stand across from someone who has also done the hard work of becoming a whole and healthy person. And it won't be because you made a promise. It will be because you made the commitment to become a person who was worth pursuing, who was worth winning, and who is worth loving. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.